following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We're excited to have with us Max and Amanda Fatisoff, who are dear friends. Um, how many of you know them or know of them? So you're in a, a room full of family today, um, and we are just super blessed to be able to have them with us. Our prayer has been, more than any other time that they've been here, we always pray that there would be an exchange, that there would be an exchange of life, an exchange of love as they come and, and speak, but that they'd leave refreshed more than any other time. We want that to be true today for them, that they would go away just so... Uh, blessed and loved and filled up and supported. So we'll have an opportunity to just kind of pray blessing over them before they go. Um, but we just want to hear uh, what the Lord's doing. And really, um, I know there'll be a word of some kind that'll be brought, but more than anything, their lives are preaching the word to us this morning. Amen? Amen. Why don't you guys come on up? He's like, why don't you start? I thought, oh, okay. Well, after your introduction of me, yes, I'll start. But that's not the case. So, hi. <laughs> I'm Amanda. Um, I know you guys, many of you know who I am. I don't often get a chance to visit you um, as often as Max does because uh, when we do come to the States, I uh, have family in Texas. So, a lot of times I'm visiting family in Texas while he's here. But... Um, since we've been apart for five months, I told him, we're going everywhere together. I'm not leaving your side. <laughs> so we're here together today, and I'm very uh, thankful to be here uh, with you guys. Everyone asks, you know, what, do you, what is it like being here? You know, can you imagine or can you believe that you're here? And the truth is, I don't. I think I've kind of been just on automatic getting through stages, and once this thing is all over, I'll look back and, and, and just uh, be in awe of, of everything completely uh, that God has done and is doing. But before I share with you, I want to read uh, from the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 22. We normally turn to 23, but 22 is the, is the chapter today. And I'm going to read a few verses with you, and it says, uh, David saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. We're starting in verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe, all of you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will, I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. 
All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. And so I wanted to read those verses to you because that is the cry of my heart today. That is the reason I'm coming, is to testify to you of the glory of the Lord, of the goodness of God, of his faithfulness, even in the midst of what we've gone through. I know Going through war is something I never expected to go through in my lifetime. It's something many of you have never been through. And so I feel like it's my call today to come and, and testify to what to, to the goodness and how great God is, even in the midst of war, even in the midst of everything that we've been through. Um, and, um, you know, he's consistently proven himself to us and, and proven his faithfulness to us in a thousand different ways. And um, many of you know, I'll share just some of the story with you that Max and I have a different experience of war um, because about a week into the war after it started, uh, I evacuated with about 45 women and children from our church and, and who were part of our organization. And um, I had no plans to leave, and many of us had no plans to leave, even as, when the war started, when the, when the bombs hit on February 24th. Um, you know, we were in this, we were together. Um, and then uh, about a weekend, we started having air raid sirens in our city. So when at a certain altitude, when there are things flying over, the sirens go off. And, um, you know, we were given information to go to bomb shelters, which are just basements of buildings. None of this was pre prepared, of course. And so um, after a couple of nights of these women and children, you know, waking up at the middle of the night and, and bringing their kids to the, to the bomb shelter and then 15 minutes later, going back home just to be awakened again, to running back and forth, um, these women, you know, were, were ready to, to leave. And we, at the time, we had no idea what was going to happen. We had no idea if Russian was gonna, Russia was going to invade our, uh, our city, um, if they were just going to completely bomb the country. And so uh, the decision was made to, to start evacuations. And the decision was made at like 12... At noon, one uh, one day at, at noon, and by 8 p.m., uh, we were we were uh, leaving to get on the train, and so we all um, gathered. We all had just a backpack because the um, the evacuations trains had started, so you didn't have to have a ticket. It was free; anyone could get on, um, and but that meant that they were packed. And so there wasn't always a seat for everyone. Some people rode for 17 hours to the West just standing or trading seats with people. Thankfully, we all had a place. We all, you know, had our backpacks. We got on this train. Um, and it was, you know, thousands of people rushing to the train, as you can imagine, in fear and panic, just trying to get on and get out of the, get out of the city. And so... We arrived at the station, our husbands pushed us on the train, and we said goodbye, not knowing if we would ever see them again, not knowing if our, our city would survive, our nation would survive, and, um, and if we'd ever see our loved ones or our homes again. And, and I remember, you know, our train ride from, from our city, Krivoy Rogue, which is in the south central of Ukraine, all the way to the west of Ukraine. It was about a 17-hour 18-hour train ride. And I remember waking up the next morning and just, uh, you know, just 
uh, realizing that it wasn't a dream, that this is reality, this is really happening, and I was just so heartbroken, and um, and I was hungry because we had only packed cookies, uh, and we but by morning all of those were gone. As you can imagine, the kids, you know, we gave them to the kids, and so we were all really hungry. And I remember sitting on my little uh, bed in the train. Any of you who know have been to Ukraine know what those trains look like, and sitting on my little bed and just like. Telling God, God, what is what is happening? I can't imagine what's happening, and just telling Him, you know, I'm, you know, my, I'm hungry, <laughs> I'm heartbroken, and I'm hungry, Lord. And then um, within a few minutes, the train stopped at a at a normal train stop, and we're waiting. And then all of a sudden, these people get on the train, but they're getting on the train and they're bringing food, and um, all everyone had sandwiches and rice, and they brought uh, water. And um, it was just the people in this village who knew that evacuation trains were coming through their village, and they were cooking food and bringing it to people. And I remember holding this little sandwich in my hand and just thanking God, and, rem- and that to me that was, and to all of us, it was one of the ways that he showed us that he is, you know, in the very beginning that he hears us and he's with us. And it's just one little thing that he did but we knew that he, he heard us and he was with us. And so we, um, we continued on. We arrived in the West, um, and then within a few hours, we were, we were already on buses that were going to take us to the border. And um, we drove to one border, and it was having problems. They had to close. We drove another hour to another border. And this by 3 o'clock in the morning, we arrived at the border, and the buses for, could, were not allowed to drive us through. And so we had to, uh, they had to stop at a certain place, and we had to walk for about 10 minutes to get to the border. And as you can imagine, it's 3 a.m. We have been traveling for more than 24 hours, and the kids are cold and hungry. It was, it was April. It was still, or, I'm sorry, it was uh, March, the beginning of March. It was still cold. The kids are tired and hungry, and we're trying to get all of these bags that were now a lot heavier than they were when we brought them. And... Um, just so exhausted. And so we're, we're getting off the bus and we're trying to get everything. And the bus driver, drivers see um, the exhaustion in the faces of all these moms. And so they just get off with us and they, break, they take bags, they take children, and they help us walk to the, to the border and helped us get to, to where we needed to cross. And again, that was just another small, uh, you know, to- not token. It was a small picture of God's kindness to us. And we get across the border. It took a few hours to get all the, the paperwork for us to get through. Um, and then um, we get on another bus. And, and another probably 16, 17 hours later, we arrive in the city in Poland where we would be, where we stayed for, for uh, four or five months. And um, it was just such a like, surreal journey. Um, but the th- but I, what I want to express to you is that the comfort of God is so um, is different from what a lot of times uh, we as believers preach. You know, we talk about God's goodness as comfort, and I remember growing up and thinking, well, if God's comforter, then that means I'm not going to feel the pain. It means that He's going to take away the hurt. It means that um, you know it's just going to be smooth sailing for the rest of my Christian life. And the, one of the things that I'm consistently learning is that God's comfort doesn't mean that that pain is gone. Doesn't mean that that fear 
necessarily is gone, and it, does, and it doesn't mean that the hurt is gone, but it means that he's there with you because he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. And he sits with us there in, in the pain, in the hurt, in the, in the heartbreak. And that's where we were in the whole time we were in Poland for the five months. And it was so hard to be, um, to be in this place where you're separated from friends and family. You don't know how long you're going to be away. You don't know what's going on in the country exactly. We're reading news every day, and we're trying to get an idea. And, um, and you're, you know, you just imagine, you know, it's easy to imagine the worst of what's going on. Um, but, and then there was the struggle um, as well, because, you know, Although, yes, we were in safety, there's the struggle of being the refugee, of not having a place of your own, clothes of your own, um, of being completely dependent upon others. And, um, and it's a, it was a very stressful experience for all, but even in the stress, even though we felt the stress, we felt the sadness, we felt the heartbreak, we also felt and saw the goodness of God. And like the two testimonies I shared with you on our trip were just two of a thousand little miracles that we saw all along the way that kept us um, full of hope and, and encouraged that, yes, God sees us, God hears us, God is with us. And, um, you know, uh, one of the things that that um, I'm thankful for is that God pre- prepared me for going for and going through what I was going through. And um, God always gives us, when, he, when we are in, brought into a situation, a difficult situation, he always gives us the tools that we need to go through that situation and the tools that we need to walk through with him. And one of the things that God did in my life is, For years, um, you know, I struggled with fear, anxiety, worry. I was that type of the person, the kind of person who always sees the glass half empty. I don't know if any of you are like that. I'm an overthinker, and so I I don't just see the glass half empty. I see that the glass is dirty, and I see that it's standing there alone, and it's not on a coaster. And why did someone just leave this glass? You know, that kind of that's my that's my brain, and so. and that was always, that's how I thought. And it, um, when, you, when you're an overthinker, which I believe is a God-given gift, he allows me to see details. But when it's not brought into the new creation, when it's not brought under the, under the blood of Christ, it became a source of worry and anxiety and fear and depression for me. And for many years, I struggled with that. And um, until one point, God brought me through this situation. All of this came to a head. And I realized that I needed to decide, am I going to truly believe what the Word of God says about who God is and what He believes about me? Or am I going to just continue to live based upon my circumstances, feeling good about God when things are going good and, and doubting God when things are going to go bad? And I cried out to God and I said, God, I want, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. I want to put my faith in you. Help my unbelief. And um, in the midst of this transition period he was bringing me through, um, I came across this um, this minister who was doing, uh, it was called a 40-day negativity fast. And um, yeah, 40-day negativity fast. And um, the fa- it was something simple. He sent out emails every day. And, but there were six points um, that, that you were, uh, um, 
six points uh, that kind of were supposed to transform your, you're used to transform your mind, that centered not around just being positive, not just positive thoughts, but it was centered around um, putting your trust in God's promises, focusing on God's promises and on God's solutions. And so um, I decided, you know, I'm going to do this negativity fast, and I took it seriously, like an actual fast. So um, for 40 days, I was very focused on not allowing my mind to to uh, to go into the places of fear or anxiety, but to can constantly bring it back, bring it back to what are God's promises? What does the word say? What are God's solutions? How would God think about this? And not allow myself to be overwhelmed or overcome. And so after, I remember after about a couple of weeks, I, I noticed that my actual, my initial thoughts begin to change where I would initially automatically begin to, to fear or doubt or worry Something, something clicked, something went different. And so God used that whole period in my life to change my mind, to renew my mind. Because as Christians, a lot of times we think renewing your mind, we know the scripture, it just will come along, it'll just happen automatically. You know, we go to enough church services, hear enough sermons, then our mind will be renewed. But the, the actuality is renewing your mind is intentional. It's something that you have to do intentionally. And so I got intentional about it. I did this fast. I wrote all the promises of God. I would, uh, you know, read those to myself, pray them out every night, and that were specific to this, uh, to the, you know, the, the lies I, I was believing at the time and what I knew God wanted to change in me. And God transformed my mind. Now, why is that all important? Because had he not, I don't know how I could have gone through all that I've gone through today. And, and thankfully, I was able to be an encouragement and strength for some of the other women who were, were doubting and were, um, were uh, fearful and, and able to encourage them as well. And so God always prepares us God always gives us the tools for what we're going through, and I'm thankful that he did that for me. Um, And like I said, the pressure of being in Poland, the pressure of being a refugee was real, but because of what he did in my life, I had this anchor to hold on to. And um, I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that God was with us. And even when it hurt, and even in all of the unknown, which was, uh, you know, a big um, issue is living in the unknown and the uncertainty of life. I knew that God had an answer and that I, I chose to believe that he would reveal the answer to me, to us, whenever we need it. And he did. And he did that over and over and over again. And even today, we're back. I'm back in Ukraine. God, you know, um, led us back now that we understand that our city's, you know, likely not to be invaded. We're more fortified um, God, you know, led us back because we had, we came to a point where it's either, you know, you're six months away from your family. It's either starting a life in another country and continue to be separ- separated from your husbands and your family or to go home and learn how to live in the middle of war. And so for some of us, that's where God led us and that's where we are. We're in back in Ukraine since July and God continues to to show his goodness, continues to show his faithfulness um, in, in all in every day that we see. Um, and so I just want to encourage you with that because you know Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. <laughs> and we know that this world's getting crazy. And, um, and that there's a, a bigger separation between the world and, 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 the, and the church and, you know, 
those who, those of us who serve God, uh, uh, there's a there's a big division in what we believe and our morals and 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 we have to have that anchor that we're going to hold on to. We have to have the anchor. And so I just want to encourage you that if you have not been intentional about renewing your mind, if you've not been intentional about getting rid of the lies or, 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 or having that anchor, that you do that because it, it's so important for God to be able to bring us through these times is that we have that, that close, uh, uh, grounded relationship with, 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 the, with God it, that's set on his promises and set on the truth of his word. And with that, I will turn it over to my husband. Wow, I didn't even know what to add. You did great, Amanda. I want to take a picture of all of you because they're so pretty. <laughs> and then I can, I can show it to our church back at home. There you are. All right. Some of you are probably not going to be in it, so don't get offended. God is good, amen. He's always good. Wow. So I, I found out there are some changes in this church. First of all, I have to compliment on your new carpet. I love it. I love it. I know what construction it can be like. And, and the new little prayer room and conference room, I love that too. Thank you, guys. You are making it so comfortable. We're all about it. We're, we're, we're doing the same back at home in the church. We're growing, so we had to get more chairs, and we're adjusting to all of that. Lots of people have lost their churches and homes, so they're coming into our city of refuge, and they're coming, finding a church to go to, and they're coming to our church, so we're so happy to take them in. But before I get into that, I want to pray with you really quick. Father, we thank you for the time that we have with you. We thank you for our hearts being open for you, for our hearts hearing your voice. So we, we pray right now and we ask you to speak into our hearts. We don't want to just listen to a story and, and political view of Max and Amanda on what's happening in Ukraine. We want to hear your voice, Father. So speak to us right now. Speak to us at this time. And we thank you for the acceleration of the spirit that is within us, that he is outside of time and space. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Amen. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. I also found out that your church services are now until 11. So I'm going to be quick. <laughs> um, okay, so before I get into talking about the war and the promises that God has given me, I'm completely the opposite of my wife. I don't overthink. I don't think about the glass being half empty. I think about, oh my gosh, this glass is half full, and it's the only one. It's for me. It's right here. Like, I'm totally the opposite of that. So, <laughs> so I don't need to go through 40-day fasting. Uh, <laughs> However, uh, it is true that we have been prepared for this time, for such a season as this for us. Even though you all saw probably some posts and Facebook pictures and Instagram posts and all that. I, I worked really hard to do that. You guys, I'm just saying this is not my, this is my, not my cup of tea. I don't like to do it, but I, I knew there's people who are praying. I knew there's people who wanted to know the reality, the truth, and what's going on. So we worked hard to make sure that you are aware. And... Um, 
And the Lord has really been preparing us for this season. None of us knew. I We were here in February, right? And, and I said, there's going to be no war. What are you talking about? No war. No war in Ukraine. And then we get back and they shut down the airports. They shut everything down. No one can leave. And it's a miracle that I'm standing here today because men cannot leave. So I'm actually in that list. Somehow, miraculously, God provided the person that applied for permission for me to get 30 days out. And of course, well, he got it because I'm here. And so it all worked out miraculously. I wasn't looking for a way out. I wasn't thinking about it. I was just thinking about everyday life there, which is pretty busy. And so I'm, you know, not planning anything. And there it was, this trip was planned. I was like, why would we even go? Normally, we don't, we don't go with this season. We don't see Minnesota without snow. This is not normal. Uh, so this was totally abnormal and outside of our plan, uh, plan of God, but we totally jumped into it and kind of followed his lead, which is the way to go for everybody, I'm just saying. But, uh, but, uh, but I'll share a little bit of a personal testimony before anything. We all know that the testimony is good, but it's not to predict what God will do in the future. Any testimony, it's always good, but it's not to predict what God is going to do in the future. It's not to create the formula out of your personal path and journey. It is actually more of a description of his goodness. Amen. So all, all our testimonies that you hear, don't try to make a formula out of it just to apply it to your life in exact the same way. Maybe the 40-day fast isn't for you. Maybe it's for somebody else and, and, you know, so on. It's all personal with the Lord. Amen. So last year, 2021, um, well, sharing personal, right? Being very open and vulnerable with you guys. So for four, uh, four and a half years, I've been diagnosed with cancer in my kidneys. I have had six tumors in my, uh, in my, um, uh, in my kidneys, uh, two in one and four in the other. And uh, uh, four and a half years ago, I decided through prayer and conversation, we've decided that uh, the journey of chemotherapy and radiation and all of that was not for me. And so I didn't, knew, I, I didn't do anything about it. When the doctor told me, I remember the first day when he told me, he brought me into his little office and he said, um, you know, you have cancer, it's six tumors, blah, blah, blah. You have to start radiation and chemo right away. And, uh, and we don't know how it's going to work out because it's stage three. And long story short, I'm sitting there and I'm realizing he's telling me all this stuff. You know, sometimes you just turn people off. But but you're sort of pretending to listen. That was one of those cases. So I'm kind of looking at him, nodding and, you know, pretending to listen. But inside, I was already searching in my heart. Lord, what are you? What, what is this? What kind of news is this? What am I supposed to do with this? And so I remember the Holy Spirit just kind of walked into the room or got into the room. And I could feel the Holy Spirit like in that room. And uh, he said, check with the source. Check this information with the source. Have you ever heard of information that seems shady and you're going to Google just to make sure that, you know, they're telling the truth? Have you ever done that? So it was one of those cases where I didn't turn to Google. I turned to the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, Lord, what are you telling me? And, and he, you know, so gently, so kindly, of course, invited me into the relationship and the journey that I had. 
And so we prayed and fasted, and it was a journey of still a lot of pain and suffering. And, uh, and before that, I was diagnosed with something else for my stomach where I couldn't eat meat and so many hard foods. And so for seven years now, you guys, I haven't had meat. So I, it was just a challenge after challenge. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so grateful you're giving me the strength for every day. Because even though I'm diagnosed with a bunch of this crap, I'm doing more than other healthy people and I'm doing it for your glory. Are you hearing this, guys? This is, this is the perspective that you and I can have. Instead of focusing on the evil, the bad, the sickness, you focus on the one who can solve it all. And so, long story short, last year, I regular checkups and visits to the doctor. One of them was in December. Uh, I told Amanda, I said, Amanda, Christmas is coming up, and you know... The atmosphere was so good in the church and in my heart. And I said, listen, you know, we've been praying for my healing for a while now. I think it's time that I go and get it checked out outside of the schedule because I just feel I'm healed. I feel I'm, I'm healed from cancer. And she said, okay. So I scheduled the appointment. I make a trip to Kiev. They check it out and they say, well, nothing's changed. It's still, you know, six tumors of cancer, stage three. You need chemo, you need radiation, you need to do it fast, and you, you cannot ignore it. And we were surprised that it didn't, you know, uh, get worse. And so I'm, like, traveling back to my city thinking, what in the world? I could totally feel it was the Lord giving me this word. Have you ever had that when you're, like, confident and sure that this is the word from the Lord? And it didn't come out like I thought. It didn't happen. So I'm like all frustrated and my prayer is more of a battle. I'm battling the sickness and I'm more excited to overcome it. And so, and then the Lord, you know, uh, kind of ministered to me through that season. And so I gave up on visits to the doctor for another six months. And then the war happened and then, you know, it was rescheduled. And long story short, I went to the, to see the doctors in August just last month. Um, it was scheduled, of course. And so I'm going with this lack of desire, lack of hope, lack of expectation, because it's a long trip. It's war in the country for crying out loud. Why am I even thinking about getting better? I mean, we might die tomorrow. You know, like God has it all figured out. And so, so there's a lot of thoughts in my mind. I'm just driving kind of whatever, you know, it's already made an appointment. So I'm going and it's a long drive. And so I have a lot of time to think and pray and I get there and I had to, you know, do a lot of tests. And, and stay overnight in Kiev, and there's curfew. You guys understand what that is. Nobody can be outside, and it's all pitch black. Lights are out. Power's out. It's just a mess. And so I'm there, you know, gave all the tests, all the whatever. Results came next day. I gave more blood, and then they checked it out, and then they invite me into a room, which is kind of abnormal. They invite me into the room, and there's seven doctors standing before me, and I'm kind of staring at them. Then I sat down, and I said, what's going on? And so the first doctor starts to speak, and he said, so Max, I have good news for you. Uh, you can start eating meat. Your stomach healed up a little bit, and you can start introducing your body and your stomach to meat. You can start eating meat. You're, I'm like, what? What are you Are you telling me I can eat meat today? And he said, yeah, you can start eating meat. And he says this like it's a normal thing. For seven years, I was just looking at people eating meat. <laughs> 
And so, and so I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. What, what a miracle. I'm so excited already. My faith was stirred. You know, I'm so happy. I'm like, okay, thank you. That's great news. Then they go on to other doctors and telling me, you know, all the stuff I need to do and pills to take and whatever. And, and so I skip all that. And then I get to the last one. And the last one is oncologist, and, and he says, so before I, I, I read what I wrote and before I tell you how you're doing, uh, can I just ask you, have you been doing any alternative treatments? And I'm like, no, prayer and fasting. That's all we've been doing. I mean, I had, you know, thousands of people pray for me, and it's ongoing, so that's all that we've been doing. And he's like, well, I understand you might not be comfortable sharing, but if you did any alternative treatment and went to a different clinic, you can share with us. We will apply it for other patients. I'm like, well, yes, prayer and fasting. This is all that we've done because that was the revelation and the word of the Lord for me. It was for my personal journey, right? And so, and they knew, you know, that I'm a pastor. They know how I, my view is on that and all of that. And so he says, well, I have to tell you, I, I can't write what you want me to write probably, but I have to tell you, you have no cancer in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Oops. Thank you, Jesus. So, so when he said that, I kind of looked at him. I'm like, I'm healed. Like, I'm completely healed. He said, I can't write that. I said, yeah. I said, you can write whatever you want. So they wrote remission or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? It might mean remission to you. It is healing for me. And he called me a cancer survivor. And I said, that's not it. A cancer overcomer. How about that? Because we believe in God who gives us the strength for whatever is to come. And this war is a mess and a disaster in so many ways, you guys. It's been a challenge for the church, but it's also been a season for the church to actually pick up the harvest. You know, we read that scripture and it says, harvest as many, the workers are few. Well, this is the time when we actually ran into that problem, when we're seeing hungry people in a very actual, literal way. People who are homeless, literally. People who are afraid every day and are freaking out because of each noise they hear you know a door that's loudly shut freaks them out they fall on the ground and scream get down on the ground and this is just a door being shut too loudly so there is you know PTSD or whatever you want to call it there's trauma upon trauma and broken hearts broken lives but but that's just it just means that the church needs to be activated even more to step out and serve to step out and pick up the harvest and so I, I we witnessed the church to really take its place and work hard and work hard and that's what God has given us as an assignment so one of the one of the testimonies I'll share with you guys is uh, we we put up some billboards. You probably saw that as well in the video. And one of the scriptures we put, of course, up it was totally a God given scripture. Uh, it was Matthew five forty four that says, you know, um, 
But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for, the, for uh, those that persecute you. I mean, it's such a tough verse. But Jesus said it. It's not even my words. It's his words. And, um, and when he said it, it was also during war, during oppression, during a really difficult season for so many then. And he said it intentionally. It was not an accident and it just didn't slip his you know, mind and mouth. It just was an intentional statement. We are to love our enemies. How many of you are praying for Russia today? Not Ukraine, Russia. I encourage you and challenge you to pray for Russia as well. I know you're praying for Ukraine. I'm so grateful, but pray for Russia as well. Pray for Russian people who are living in this uh, age. They're living, they're completely separated. They're cut off from the rest of the world. They're being orphans in the spirit, if you're understanding what I'm saying. So I encourage you and challenge you to pray and bless them because that's what the church is to do. I also wanted to thank you as the church body who has been connected with us in, in literal way uh, through texting and writing and sending messages. And even one of the times I remember we met up in a bomb shelter in our, uh, our building and there was a lot of us worshiping, just with the guitar worshiping. And one of your leaders, I don't remember who, but led worship with one of the songs we sang in the in a bomb shelter. And I, I saw it, or somebody sent me, maybe it was Pastor Renee. But it was just so encouraging to know that there's somebody who's not just watching uh, our pictures and watches what we're doing, but praying for us, interceding for us. It's so powerful and so encouraging for each one of us every day. And our lives, of course, changed and so many literal ways, you know, uh, we're giving out food daily, we're, we're housing people daily, and I'm not going to get into the numbers because it's thousands at this point, I mean thousands upon thousands, so it's not about the numbers, but it's about each one that we get to minister to, each one that we get to pray for, like I come out sometimes to the crowd where they're waiting to get food or, or being helped, I come out and I'm like, Lord, who do you have for me today? You know, just the one. Who, who do you have for me today to stop for and to minister to? And he highlights this one and he highlights the other one. Usually it's some kind of, you know, very evident acting out. But, but he highlights those really troubled ones. And I'm like, okay, I'm after those, you know. And we see so much uh, salvation. We see people being born again, radically transformed and come to the church of God where they find peace. Those that came from zones of war and hot spots they're coming into the church and literally a few weeks later you see them you don't even recognize them because they're no longer afraid they're coming to all of us and they're saying oh this is my family this is my family even though they've lost everything the values have changed for all of us nothing of this matters when you're in that place, all of us had to change that and, you know, refocus and focus on the one who truly matters, who's eternal. Amen. So when we put up the billboards with this verse, of course, there was lots of attacks at the church. The reporters called, they, uh, the Christians attacked, they wrote underneath stuff and, and attacked, attacked, attacked. They, they sliced my tires three times, I think. So I'd come out, there's a note, sliced tires, and I can't go anywhere. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Lord, you gave me this word. You know, you gave me 16 different verses. This was just one of them, and it happened to be in 
the downtown area where everybody gets to see it. And so I'm like, okay. And of course, you know, it was the time also when, when little villages have been completely destroyed, annihilated, and people were like slaughtered and just killed. And it was a disaster. And not, none of us are in business to promote that and love the, uh, love the enemy for what they've done. But in spite of what they've done, we choose to love. Because, because that's his commandment. That's what he asks us to do. And so, of course, I explained to the reporters, I explained to the churches that called, and then I was kind of tired of, you know, hearing all these attacks. And so every phone call I had was like, did you write this? Do you know what you're doing? Blah, 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 blah. And there's, you know, lots of cussing. And so, and so one of the calls I'm receiving was one of the calls from one of the couples. Uh, it was a husband and wife. They both called, and I answered, and they're like, hey, we wanted to ask you, are you the church that posted that, you know, put that billboard up? I'm like, yes, it is us. I'm already prepared for listening to whatever. And she's like, well, my husband and I, we've been praying, and the Lord told us we need to come to your church because of that because you choose to love, because you choose to forgive, and because you choose to bless. So can we come to your church? And I'm like, what? Yes. Yes. Do you know where we are? And you know, it was like one of those moments where it was like just persecution after persecution. Things are getting worse and worse. And then bam, this amazing breakthrough. And people started coming. And it wasn't just one couple, one family. It was many were coming that we ended up buying more chairs, I told you. <laughs> So Hebrews chapter 11, I'll be wrapping this up. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you seeking him? Do you believe in him? I feel like that's a very good question for today for all the Christians. Do I really believe in God who can do everything and anything at any time? I think sometimes we get into a habit of Christian lifestyle, but not intentional faith in God. I believe in God who can do everything, anything, anytime, anywhere. And I encourage you and challenge you to focus on that, to test your heart and see whether you believe. Acts chapter 10, I'm not going to read it, but you can read it. Acts chapter 10, great story about Cornelius. Did I say his name right? Cornelius. <laughs> so there's two points that I want to highlight for you guys. The story is very small. It's only 10 verses. You can read it at home and really meditate on it. But the two points that the Lord highlighted for me were that he uh, gave generously, Cornelius. He gave generously. And the second one is he prayed to God regularly. Are you and I doing that? Are we giving generously to a point of sacrifice or are we giving out of our comfort? Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is a challenge for you and I. This is a challenge for the Christian, you know, uh, for, for the Christian world, really. Are we giving, can we fast a cup, of coffee, a, a, a cup of coffee for a month of Starbucks and give that as a sacrificial giving? Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, I know you give regularly and you're super generous, but there is more that God has for us. And I believe he always stretches. He always tests that our hearts aren't just getting all comfortable again. He always challenges us for more 
And maybe you're normally going into Starbucks and you're getting your favorite cup of coffee. Maybe your sacrifice isn't even money. Maybe your sacrifice is to sit down and talk to somebody out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying, you guys? I love it. Okay, the last scripture I'm reading is 1 Samuel chapter 3. And I see the big clock reminding me that, that you know, only God is outside of time. <laughs> Okay, so 1 Samuel chapter 3. Uh, this story is also really amazing. And again, you can read it all on your own from verse 1 through 11. But I'm going to only focus on a couple of verses. So long story short, Eli, he's, um, his eyesight is getting worse. He's getting older. He's in his bed. And he's got this amazing, you know, God-given servant Samuel who's by his side, who's with him. And this, this section of the, the scripture, it talks about God speaking to Samuel. And he says, uh, the Lord says to Samuel, you know, um, Samuel, he just called out to him, Samuel. And Samuel woke up and he said, here I am. And then he ran to Eli to see what he wanted. And then Eli said, well, I'm asleep. I didn't ask you to come here. I didn't call your name. Then Samuel goes back to sleep, and, and Eli goes back to sleep. And God says again, Samuel, Samuel. And he wakes up and he runs back to Eli again. And he says, did you call for me? What? I'm here. And he said, I didn't call for you. And then Eli realized that I need to teach this guy a lesson. He doesn't realize that it's not me calling his name. It's God calling his name. He just doesn't know his voice. Do you know his voice? Do you know what he sounds like? Do you know the difference between somebody calling your name and God calling your name? And Samuel was called again by God. And at that point, he knew what to do because Eli told him. He said, when he calls your name again, say, here I am, I'm listening. And so he did just that. The Lord calls on the Samuel and he says, Samuel, Samuel. And, the Lord, and Samuel said, Lord, here I am, I'm listening. Are you listening? Are you hearing what God is saying? And then, of course, God started to download and told him, behold, I am about to do the thing that no one has ever seen and everyone's going to hear about it and, and so on. And listen, I feel like today is that day when we need to just check our hearts and see, are we listening to the right voice? Or maybe we're distracted by the noise of political talk. <laughs> maybe we're distracted by the noise of amazing preacher talk. Maybe we're distracted by our own voice. So today is my challenge to all of you guys, including myself, is are we listening to the voice of God? We cannot put him in a box. So I encourage you to stand to your feet and we're going to pray really quick. Father, we thank you for the fact that we can hear your voice. We know your voice. We thank you for the fact that we didn't deserve to be called heroes. We didn't deserve the honor we get, but you paid the price. You gave us the new name. You gave us the new inheritance. You gave us new life. You gave us a foundation. You gave us everything we could possibly dream of and more because you are God of more. I feel like there's somebody in this room today that it has been praying and praying and praying and praying and nothing, nothing uh, happened through that prayer. 
And you kind of gave up praying. You thought it's only for the holy people. And you're not that holy anymore. And I feel like the Lord is reminding you, keep on seeking. Keep on seeking me. Keep on seeking me. Father, we are seeking you today. We are listening. Here we are. We're hearing. We're listening to what you are saying to each one of us. We thank you for the fact that at this time of war, you have given us the greatest peace. You have given us the victory that we are to see. We thank you, Lord, that we get to participate in your kingdom as it grows and expands and transforms this world. We thank you, Lord, that we can be participating uh, in what you are doing in your will. We thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.